You're listening to The Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editing team, and today we're talking about Kena, Bridge of Spirits, Sable, Death Stranding Director's Cut, Tales of Iron, a Guardians of the Galaxy preview, and our pitches for a David Cage Star Wars game. Let's go! Welcome to the show, my little pog champs. Today, I have three uh, Wicked Smot co-hosts. Did you guys get that reference? I just told a bunch of British That's Boston, people. right? Thank Wicked. You. Uh, we're going to talk about video games. That, that sound good? No. Let's get into Kena Bridge of Spirits. Uh, this is a PlayStation and PC exclusive from Ember Labs. Originally an animation studio, you might know them if you have seen that amazing Majora's Mask short film. This is their first game, and Stacey reviewed it. Stacey, what was your score? Uh, I give it a 4 out of 5. I thought it was a very, very good game that didn't really do anything different. It reminded me of so many different games when I played it that it was hard to go above um, a 4. Because this is a good game that I've played different versions of in the past. I enjoyed it. I don't think any developer in the future is going to say, let's make a game like Kena Bridge of Spirits. Yeah, that that rings pretty true to me. I think, have we all had a chance to finish it? Obviously, I, I have. Um, I know James has been doing guides, so he must be quite far through. And did you finish it? I've played about an hour or so. Perfect. So, so, so we're the perspectives here. Yeah, we're going to lean on you a lot for this one. Exactly, thank you. <laughs> um. So, if you have seen anything of Kena, you probably thought of a Disney or a Pixar movie. And that is, I I feel, pretty accurate for the experience. Um, just not as good. <laughs> I think it looks a lot like Pixar. It's the story that isn't anything similar. Yeah, like even an hour in, like it, the storytelling and the characters feel a little bit dull i suppose the kids are annoying like, i wish they'd go away but maybe that's oh, they just do. Me being a terrible person <laughs> i'm like oh you're annoying i'm gonna find your brother and keep you in the village somewhere so i can bugger off yeah I it, yeah um, i think about like an hour and that's the best the story gets really okay i don't think it ever gets to a point where it's any better or any worse than that so it's a pretty familiar story of corruption in a in a natural world and you're you're going to clear that corruption to restore nature that's pretty much what we're doing and uh as you um work your way through the forest collecting these little creatures these cute little guys called the rot um you'll be like uh, encountering uh people that have been transformed by this corruption rescuing them and then learning a little bit about like who they were and how this happened uh and you do that three times and there's uh kind of some meteor backstory right at the end but that's pretty much all all there is to it um it's really more about the the visual style and the a, a demonstration of how good they are it, the studios as animators um but also i think that it has some surprisingly sophisticated combat it might look like a 
PS2 era action platformer, like kind of a Jack and Daxter thing. I see that comparison a lot, but I think the combat is a lot more uh, involved mm. and it's actually um, the, the first really hard game I've played in a long time. I think it's actually pretty challenging. Really? All right. Well, we've got James is going to big time here. now. <laughs> I, died on the fe- I died on the first boss, so I'll, I will admit that. I only died, I think, three or four times in the game, and it was to falling into water. Mm, you might, you're on the hardcore side of this, though, because I have seen the discourse, and people do think this game is, is pretty difficult. I mean, yeah, one of James's favorite games is, is Dark Souls, so he's used to playing very difficult games that have the same kind of conventions as Kina. Obviously, mm. um, you know, Kina's easier than Dark Souls, but I think the thing with it being challenging is, and I know you wrote something about this, Eric, is it almost feels harder at the start because yeah. you're so rubbish. Like, by the end, when you've got everything, I don't think combat is that challenging because you have all the tools to take everybody down. But at the start, it's just kind of hit people with this stick. Yeah. Um. And that makes it quite difficult to kind of figure out what you're supposed to do because you don't have your bow yet, you don't have your bombs, the rot aren't very helpful, you can't dash. I didn't think the parry was very good. Attack cancel doesn't really work. Like, if you do a heavy attack and you want to dodge, tough. A lot of the enemies have extreme long-range attacks where they will rush you in half of a second from across the arena, and they are incredibly magnetic. Yeah. If you do not, if you do not perfectly dodge, they will curve their sh- their shots to hit you, and you can only take a couple hits. Um, the one one of the kind of interesting mechanics in the combat is that you you use the little rock guys that you've collected to enhance your attacks to do stronger hits or fire stronger arrows or just to stun the enemies, but you can also use them to attack these little flowers around the arena that can heal you. And at the beginning, they'll heal you all the way as your health bar is small. But later on, they'll only heal you about halfway if you're pretty low. And you only get to do that at most twice in, in any fight. Um, usually just once, sometimes none at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is pretty challenging. Obviously, it's not Dark Souls, but um, but I, I think people are having a hard, harder time with it than you would think. And the last gauntlet, the, the final boss is a lot. You got to survive quite a few encounters and it fully resets you to the beginning of, oh. of the sequence. Oh uh, shit, does it? You, oh oh yeah. Die, it, James, he wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. At the end, you fight multiple arenas full of enemies and a boss that has multiple stages and you have to yeah. get through all of it without dying or you start the whole thing over. I suppose you consider the sort of audience that this game is appealing to. Like, it's very picturesque. It's like a Pixar movie. Like, a, yeah. a child might see this game and think, oh, this looks really cute. I might buy it. But then they're, they're stepping into an experience that combat I think it does have difficulty options. By Soul yeah, it's, so, it's yeah. got three difficulty options. If you play on easy, you'll probably get by. I flick between yeah. easy and normal because I wanted to try them both out. I did normal because I think you should always review games on the default what? setting at least a little bit. But it yeah. had quite a high embargo, so there was something that I was just like, nah, I've died on this boss. Easy it is. What's the next Yeah, I've next? done that before. Just whack it down and get through it. Um, mm-hmm. In an ideal world, then I'd be better at games, so I don't, I don't care. <laughs> the, final, <laughs> um, the whole final fight really, uh, this is weird, it reminded me of Doom Eternal's final DLC. 
that massive arena where you're fighting the clone Doom Slayer and his giant juggernaut suit, and he sort of, I think, Man. at one point. I block out all the boss fights in the Doom games. Really? It's like the only part of those games that I think is bad. Uh, it really reminded me of that. And to be fair, I thought the final boss was the worst. So maybe you're onto something. Yeah. Without... The final boss probably is the worst. Outside of the combat, like, as someone who's only played an hour, like, I still don't have quite a solid feel about the platforming and the environments and the puzzles and how ambitious they get. Like, how does that I think they do ramp throughout up. the game? There's some pretty weird difficulty spikes in the puzzles. I think there's a few that are pretty inscrutable. Mm. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, it, they're comparable to a traditional 3D action platformer. Or I, I think I, I, I was reminded of uh, God of War 2018 a lot because that's oh, a lot yeah. of like hit all oh, these targets before yeah. time runs out, you know? Instead there's of throwing so your many action, games that this is like. Like, like drag yes. objects to a certain place, like trigger the environment in certain ways. Or there's a lot of buildings where you need to find a way in, and then the rock can help you get out. Like yes. there's a lot of th those kind of things that were also in like God of War and a lot of other similar games. Like it's not original, but it feels like it's not original in both a good and a bad way. Like gaming comfort. Totally. Part. Yeah, I think uh, things start to ramp up a lot when you get the bomb, but that's a little bit mm -hmm. later on because that's sort of when you create the platforming that you're doing in a way. Yeah. Mm. yeah the bomb, really the bomb changes the platforming, which I think if combat and platform are linked together, that's always just makes it a more cohesive thing. Cause you control the environment a bit more. Mm. The bomb is really cool. Yeah. I think, I think combat starts to get interesting when you get the bow, but it actually gets good once you get the bomb. Yeah. hundred mm. percent. That's a fair way to describe it. It's one of those games where by the end I was wishing there was more to play around with all these tools with, but it just sort of ends abruptly. Yeah. Yeah, it does just sort of end. Um, but the bomb is cool because you can throw it and stick it on people, and then if you fire an arrow at the bomb, it'll do more damage than if it were to just blow up on its own. And it's a platforming mechanic too, because when you throw the bomb at certain rocks, it makes the rocks float, and then you can jump jump across them, so... The bomb has, does, like, it opens the game up a lot when you get it. I love those time challenges with the bomb as well, where you were sort of run. Uh, there's one where you run around in a circle around a tree, and you have to get them all the right time darting through portals. And yeah. It gets a lot more complex, I think, later on. Yeah, and because the bomb has a cooldown. So sometimes you have to, like, throw the bomb, but then not detonate it yourself because you need to get it, the cooldown going so that you have a second bomb by the time that one blows up. So there is some... There's some pretty clever combinations. Stacy, were did you think of Lost and Random at all while you were playing this? Because that popped into my head a bunch. <laughs> we should probably do a rundown of all the games that we've thought of. It borrows from yeah. so many things. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, it borrow from Lost and Random because that just came out like a couple of weeks before. Um, but there's definitely an element of that. I think with probably because of the bomb and like leaving it to detonate. Um, and the and way because the the enemies have target points on them that you yeah. can shoot off. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, that one. I mean, it has like the, um, golden fragments on that are really similar to the blue crystals in, in lost and random as well. Yeah. Do you remember the tree boss in dark souls three very early on? It's a giant lumbering tree corrupted with souls and it has these massive warts you shoot. Oh, it's got the eggs under its bum. Yeah. Like, that, the, yeah. There's a lot of enemies like that where they're trees with little warts growing out of them. I don't know why that just really reminded me of Dark Souls 3. 
I wrote something about how this is uh, Fallen Order. I think yeah. it, it, I think if you had to pick one game that it's most like, I think Fallen Order is probably the closest. No, one. James has a different choice. James, what what game do you think Keena's like? How oh, hell are people at home? <laughs> uh, the medium, if it was family friendly. Mm. What what what? <laughs> well, they're James both thinks about Keena guiding is an easy version of the medium. <laughs> No idea why. Well, both games have you uh, jumping into this bleak, empty world to guide souls, and then it all ties around to you at the end. Does it tie around that? Hold on. Spoilers. Sorry, we're sorry. We got a spoilers because I think this. How does the game tie around to Kane at the end? Did I completely misunderstand it? I might have. Oh no! I thought the ending was her um, passing on as a spirit herself. Is that off? What? Oh, am I misinterpreted? Stacy, is that get... what happens at the end of this game? Do you guys play a different game? Yeah, I didn't get that from the ending at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I don't no, think off. so. I think, I think they're very much setting up a sequel with this because. Kana herself is not part of the story in any way. She's just kind of there from like Yeah, she's there so to far. to heal the forest, but the story of this village and what happened to it is is not about her. And when you finally find out a little bit about her like 3 fourths of the way through, it's just the shortest explanation <laughs> of like how she got her power. It's like ba- basically like her dad died and so now she's doing she's taking over for her dad and that's it that's all you get that's why it reminds me i think most of jack and daxter you're just this sort of like i mean if that's the game i compared to do it would probably be jack and daxter you're thrown into this world that's sort of in disarray apparently you belong there but you don't really know yeah but at least it's jack's home right like it starts out with daxter becoming the weasel and like yeah you get a little bit characters in it are his family uh yeah I, I thought that was kind of weird. Um, but it seemed like that's because Kana 2 will be more about who she is. Well, the, the developers have said they're not doing a sequel, but I think that's weird because it's clearly got a little bit of brand power. Yeah. There's yeah. good ideas in there that needs to build upon. And the story does end with a lot of possibilities because uh, what's happening with, with, with Kana, you know? I, I think uh, they've said it won't get a sequel, but. I don't know, I think if it does well, people seem to be re- it's one of those games that people seem to be really passionate about before they played it. This is yeah. a new IP, it's not a sequel, it's not like Spider-Man, which based on a, oh, I love the comics, I love the movies, I love the TV show. This is a brand new thing you've never experienced and you've already decided you love it. Like, yeah. I wish I had that commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it looks pretty, but like, yeah, it does. But So this was one of those weird games where the review embargo was the release date. Yeah, and whenever that happens, there's a lot of discourse because <laughs> that it, it gets the council warriors going, right? Uh, oh, they're must still be... going. Oh, they're still going. Yeah, Sony lost. Xbox win. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh, people were either ready to play it and love it, or not play it and hate it. Mm. So everyone that's playing it is is really happy about it. Um, I had a lot of fun. I I liked it more. Uh, I, experiencing it was, was uh, a lot more fun than I thought it would be. And even when I think about it conceptually, it's not that impressive. But I really enjoyed playing it. It is just comfort food, I feel. It's one of those games you stick on for a weekend, you have fun with it, and you forget about it the next weekend. 
I feel like if I played it when I was a kid, it might have been one of my favorite games. It's one of the games yeah. that I feel like would stick with me because I play like some of the platforms I played when I was a kid now, and they don't really kind of measure up. Like I play them because I remember playing them and I enjoyed playing them, but I wouldn't sink that many hours into the the like the remasters or whatever now if yeah. I hadn't played them as a kid and had those memories attached to them. It's just so close to a, like, one of the best games ever. Like, if it had a better story, if it was a little longer, if the progression was more interesting, like, it just needs a little bit more. I feel like it's, I mean, again, with the Souls comparisons, I feel like this could be that Demon Souls. Because Demon Souls' story, I don't think, is nearly as impressive as Dark Souls. But I feel like mm. a lot of what Demon Souls did well, the spiritual successor did ten times better. Mm. And I really feel that could be where they go with this. Um, I I would recommend it. I, I, I have complaints about it, but I mean, if if, uh, if challenging combat or like platforming or even just like aesthetically, because if you play this game on easy and if you just are like this this Disney Pixar aesthetic, I would definitely recommend it. It's worth it for the rot. They're so cute. I know Stacy rinsed them, but I love them. <laughs> the rot are cute. Yes. Uh, one thing about the rot, though, same thing with Fallen Order. All the progression, or not the progression, but all the collectibles are cosmetic and not. Yeah. They do not make you more powerful. The only thing that makes you more powerful is these meditation points that increase mm -hmm. your health. But if you, you can spend forever scouring these levels, looking for hidden chests and doing puzzles, and all you'll ever get from it is currency to buy hats. <laughs> the rock do Most upgrade. Most just the hat itself. Sometimes you just get. Or just get the hat. New yeah. hat. The rock do upgrade your abilities, though, if you got enough of them. I don't know if that's... Just yes. getting all 100, I could max everything out. Well, after the thir level 3, all they do is give you more slots more uh courage slots so that ah. you can save you can save up more abilities without spending them um take or the actual currency to buy the upgrades comes from combat oh okay i see what you mean yeah, yeah so yeah, if you if you do the corrupted chess you will get actual hard currency for upgrades but otherwise ah. it's just the cosmetic currency yeah um okay i think that covers it unless somebody had anything else to say about it i think it probably is worth noting just how many games we've been comparing it to both on the podcast and just while we've been talking about it because it, it yeah. really is every game ever like i played it and kind of felt like ghost of shishima even though i didn't really like that i felt like all the things that annoyed me in shishima didn't annoy me so much in Kenna, but they were still there. It's mm. clearly Horizon. It's a little bit of the older Tomb Raiders. We've said Jack and Daxter. Haven't said Ratchet, but we may as well have. It's Dark Souls, it's Demon Souls, it's God of yeah. War, it's Jedi Fallen Order. It's just kind of every game you've played. But not an original bone in its body. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's got the it's got your uncharted ledge climbing too. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, and that's why it can't be great because it's in the shadow of all these great things. Uh, have a bit of shadow of Colossus about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is very good though. I will say that. Cool. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back for, wow, a bunch more reviews.
Welcome back to the show. We have more games, so that's great for us because it's a gaming podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start with Stacy's other review. Stacy, you played Sable. Sable. Uh, Keen talked about this a few weeks ago as one of his most anticipated games, and I'm curious if he's going to be delighted or disappointed. What say you? Um, I'm I'm not really sure how Keen will feel about it. I think he'll be disappointed by my review because I wasn't really sold on it. Okay. Um, I Keen. Sable's problem is, sorry, um, it released a demo a couple of months ago, I think, which was basically the tutorial. The point of the game is you find different masks. You need to find three to, like, finish the game to complete it, but there's loads more. That's just, like, to roll credits on it. Um, and the first bit is, like, an hour-long tutorial that mainly holds your hand and says, go here, go there, do this quest, you know, mm. how these kind of games work. And at the end of it, you get a mask, the demo stops. Um, you play the base game. I played the demo on the Xbox, I played the base game on the PC, so I had, I had to start over. Mm-hmm. But that was fine. But then it just kind of goes, explore the world. Right, anything to do? Uh, no, nothing to do, just explore. Mm. Like Those kind of games of just annoy me. Like in a Breath of the Wild, kind of like go wherever you want? Thing? 100% like Breath of the Wild. I don't really like Breath of the Wild, but this is okay. nowhere near as good anyway. So it's trying to be like Breath of the Wild with like none of the appeal. Like at least with Breath yeah. of the Wild, it's like every mountain kind of slightly curves you around to a village where you'll find a quest. Yeah. Every different corner you go around will have a shrine, will have a person picking flowers, will have a thing. This is just sand. So like, oh, go over no. that hill, there's some more sand. And eventually there's a tower, and someone will say, climb the tower and fix it. He has a pomegranate. <laughs> okay. And then later on you find someone who says, ooh, I love pomegranates. Can I have a pomegranate? And you go, yes, you can, because I've got one here. There we go. Sand. Okay, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is there progression? Um... There is progression. You can uh, you can kind of get upgrades as you go, and you can be. There's no combat or anything. It's all like wandering around and completing quests, finding things, talking to people. It wants to be a very lyrical game. Um, yeah. Like even when you do like cutscenes and dialogue, well, not cutscenes. It's all you know, classic RPG style. You'll pick your response, but then it's written as if you're reading a book. Mm. Like you, the response will be yes or no, and you you click no. And then the thing will come up. Oh, I shake my head solemnly and I tell the guard, I do not have the information he wants. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know you do because I've just told you to do it. <laughs> I don't need to describe to me. I know you said no. I picked it. Do you think that this is going to be somebody's jam for sure and it's just not your thing at all? I, I do, yeah. I, I gave it a three out of five. I think I'll be on the lower end because I think... Because it's had a demo and because it's been fairly well promoted, yeah. most people who are reviewing it will be people who've gone, oh yeah, I like the look of that, I really want it. I ended up reviewing it really, um, Keen was supposed to do it, he was off last week. Okay. Um, obviously Jade's on Death Stranding, that's what she's going to talk about in a second. So I just kind of did it because we got the, the code through the, the we kind of had quite a short turnaround. Yeah. I didn't know who to give it to, so I said, look, it's a quite a short game, I'll just do it. Um, whereas I think a lot of other sites, 
will have people who are really into it and then a lot of players will have played the demo and they will play it because they're into it. So I think it's worse, worse than um, Breath of the Wild. I think that's an okay thing for me to say and not everyone be angry with me. <laughs> um, but it tries to do a Breath of the Wild does, but it just doesn't really have the infrastructure. If it was uh, a more direct quest, go do this thing, go do that thing. Some of the things are quite fun. Like you have to lure a beetle out of a cave, out of a cave and you find a, a diary from an explorer who's like, oh, the beetles really love mushrooms or whatever it is. So, and then you kind of put it together, like, all right, well, there's mushrooms nearby. I'll throw some mushrooms, a beetle comes out, I get into the cave. You know, it's, there's quite a lot of nice things like that. The big mm. issue with it is you have to find all these things by yourself. Like, you'll just wander around the desert until you find one of these fun things. Is there no main quest? The main quest is find masks. You have to oh. find masks. So you find a mask, and then you get sent off on the map, and it's just like keep doing things and eventually one of the quests they kind of link into each other like with the pomegranate they link and they grow but they don't connect like you don't finish one and someone comes up to you and says oh here's part two like you have to just wander until you find the next part somewhere else on the map but eventually one of the quests is do this thing and i'll give you a mask so i don't know it it's it's a game that I think a lot of people are going to kind of vibe with, but I I think my favourite thing about it, actually, was driving around on your little bike. It's called Samoon. Uh-huh. Um, and you can call it, like, you know, in The Witcher where you push, like, the button and then Roach comes? Yeah. So <laughs> I did that. It came and crashed right into my face. Uh-huh. And then it stopped working. <laughs> so I couldn't get it anymore. So I had to, like, run around the desert keep calling work again and like yeah it was like a coin flip like maybe 40 percent of the time it would come and i'd be like and the rest of the time would be like nope incredible so i had to run further away call it again and when when there's no quest when there's no mark when it's literally just drive around and see if you can find something that gets really boring when you can't drive <laughs> see that really threw me for a loop because you asked for the review card for your review and you just put riding Samoon and I was like what the hell is that is that a person I didn't know what you were on about <laughs> is it pretty it's have you seen the breadwinner it doesn't matter if you have people who listen to the podcast will have it's really like the breadwinner in the day um orange red really earthy coppery tones gorgeous then it comes to night my review will be up on the site by the time the podcast goes live so you can have a look it comes to night and it's got like a natural day, day night cycle and everything just goes kind of gray like wow. to symbolize like oh it's nighttime it's clouded it's dark but i don't know the game looks gorgeous and they're just kind of going what if half the time it looked like shit <laughs> yeah that's an interesting design choice i respect it let's make everything a weird brown is the music good the music's really subtle so it's not I think it's on Spotify right now. I don't think it's something that people are going to like rave to. Yeah. But it's if you like the game and are into it, it's probably the kind of thing you'd put on in the background and just kind of chill with. Wow. So not really anything you can point to. That the driving that... is really really fun. It broke for me. Yeah. I'll have to read other reviews to see if I had a really bad instance of it or if that's a common problem. Mm-hmm. If you look, if you don't need to beat it for a review embargo. You're happy to play it and just kind of drift around. Just drive around the desert. 
was quite enjoyable. Knowing that I had to find three masks to be able to, you know, competently review it and yeah. having no indication of wherever the hell these masks were, that made it a bit annoying. Some people really like the just directionless ex- exploration. Those people don't need to review it in two days, Eric. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you are right. It gives me anxiety as is. I always feel like I have to finish a game. I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, we all have too many games to play is the problem. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. <laughs> Jade, you played Death Stranding Director's Cut. I'm excited oh. to talk about this because we didn't have a podcast when Death Stranding came out. So um, let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the piss and the fetuses and all, all of it. Let's get into it. You... Speaking of wandering aimlessly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we have a theme like... again. Last week it was it was all skateboarding. <laughs> when Death Stranding first came out... it. It was one of those games that was like super polarizing. Like there were yeah. there were wank, there were wanky people like me and Kian who were like ten out of ten. Like it, it does something that no other game really does. Like for better or worse. Well, it's the first people. strand game. Yeah, exactly. It's the first strand game, and there were other people who hated it. Like, oh, what is this? You just it, it's just a walking simulator, and you piss on things. Like that was basically what people yeah. thought Death Stranding was. But no, I loved it, and. Death Stranding Director's Cut is is very much that game again. Like Kojima said it had a release, but he wasn't set on this being the name, which hinted that it was possibly just a marketing thing on Sony's part. Because it is very much the upgrade from PS4 to PS5 if you're an existing owner is only five pounds, which is might be like eight dollars or something. So the director's cut gets you oh. It runs better, obviously. Like it, it runs at native 4K at 60 frames per second now, which is lovely. Like that game was gorgeous anyway, and now it just mm. looks even better. You've got some some really nifty dual sense stuff, like with the triggers and the vibrations, that is wonderful. And then the bulk of the package is essentially content, but it's very much complementary stuff to the existing package as opposed as opposed to new story content or anything. Like when you load your new save you'll get a bunch of calls going, Sam, like, I've got this cool, coolest shit racetrack you can build if you fancy <laughs> doing some stuff. You, you, you say it, you can go to a place on the map and you can you can build your own racetracks and partake in that stuff. And it's it gives you, like, likes and partial, like, progression, but it's it very much feels like a, oh, we needed to make some cool stuff to justify this director's cut. And a lot of the new equipment which you use to do your deliveries is similar in that sense like you can make a catapult you can get a little robot with legs you just sit on it and he walks you around the map which is kind of like picturesque or poetic in a way because you can just have this dude walk you around and use photo mode until the ghosts catch up with you and you get battered but the director's cut is if you play death stranding again uh one or two years ago i can't remember now i think it's worth revisiting for the new stuff for only a fiver but if you haven't played Death Stranding yet, I think it's worth getting this version if you have a PS5 because I maintain that Death Stranding is a weird, wonderful game in all of the best and worst ways. It looked like all the director's cut stuff was just new ways to play Death Stranding if you've played it to death and yeah. you need some some variety. 
But if you have never played it before, do you feel like all that, like the catapults and the jetpacks and all that stuff, like takes away anything from the core experience of Death Stranding? I don't necessarily think so. I played, I, I didn't transfer my save right away. I started a new game and played like the opening seven or eight hours and the first 10 or so hours of that game, I wouldn't call them a slog, but they're very deliberately slow based. Like there's a lot of yeah. cutscenes and before you earn the ability to craft a lot of the more important equipment and tools, you're very much just Norman Reedus, like taking 10 packages up a hill, tripping over and eating shit into a river. And doing yeah. that, doing that about doing that for a few hours, delivering your stuff, and then going like, "Oh, gotta do that again." And th- there's almost like entertainment in the mon- the mundaneness of it all. And mm. that I think that that remains untouched in the director's cut. And I think a lot of the, as you mentioned, a lot of the new additions. I think a lot of those are introduced relatively late into the game when you've already have the ability to get the power skeletons and the speed skeletons and stuff that speed you up and okay. make it e- make it easier to navigate certain terrain. So once you've unlocked the the catapult, you're quite far along anyway. And from the times I've used the catapult, it doesn't launch things that far. Like it, it very much feels like a fun novelty. Like if you know there's enemies in a certain part of the map or you're going to get attacked by BTs, you can go, okay, I'm going to put a I'm going to put a catapult down here. I'm going to launch all my luggage two miles in that direction. So there's no risk of it being stolen or damaged as I navigate enemy territory. So mm. you can't put yourself in the catapult, which is disappointing. But that I think that, as- that aspect is cool. And you put also- the baby in the catapult. Oh, no. <laughs> it just keeps crying and I fucking ha- I hate children. Like, I don't know. <laughs> But like, yeah, like he cries out of the controller now, and I'm like, be quiet! Like, there's ghosts trying to get us. But... They got a pillow on top of it. But oh, like... Jesus, James! <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the mini robot man, it, it's also the same. Like, the game also punishes you for using these new things uh-huh. in a in a way that feels fair. Like, if you sit on the robot to make deliveries, it's like you can't get more than an A on this delivery because you're uh, cheating. Because it's cheating. It guides you there, and I'm like, cool. Because you need and, to suffer for your score. Yeah, like you need <laughs> you need to connect with people because it's a strand game. Yeah. So there's that stuff, and I think that's that's well done because it because when I loaded my old save, it was very much like I want to play with all the new things, but I didn't necessarily depend on them because for me, the thing I really loved about Death Stranding was the way in which it challenged you. Like mm. there was something weirdly relaxing about like taking on free deliveries and realizing you need to. to take a cross-country track i can't say that word and like the way you have to hold the shoulder buttons to maneuver around the environment so you don't fall over is like it's a challenge in itself and i didn't want to take away from that but at the same time i don't think the new additions do quite enough to do so and they also add some new combat stuff but it still feels a bit combat is still the weakest part of this game i think is there any new really weird shit (laughs) <laughs> well, all the all the all the weird shit that's already in there is untouched they, they took yeah. out the monster energy which sucks right yes. they took out the monster that, that's gone it's completely gone but you can now like replay all the weird flashback shit like when you fight mads mikkelsen in world war ii and like he's in vietnam for some reason like that's all of that stuff you can replay now 
and it looks yeah but as i said like it it is the same game it's just been jazzed up a little bit yeah which i think that will disappoint some hardcore like strand heads like who are going into this like, official term. <laughs> yeah stranders like who are who are looking for the next big kojima fame like, this isn't it like right there might there might be a few additional secrets that i didn't find or like some diary entries and interviews that might provide more bullshit lore into this weird world but, but it's mostly boxes, just like... mostly just toys and diversions basically yeah it's like it's like a lot of cool new additions it's like sony went to kojima and went oh we want you to release this on ps5 is there any cool stuff you can do and kojima just nodded his head and went yeah cool I'll make a catapult and piss grenade. Like, like that's, that's what you said he'd do. But yeah, it's it's still great. Like I still think Death Stranding is excellent, and that'll be reflected on the review on the site. But mm-hmm. this is both the version to play, and if you've played Death Stranding to death already, there isn't a lot here. But given the upgrades, only five pounds. I think it's yeah, that that's justification enough to go go on, give it a go. I think it's ten US. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, is that still good? I'm not American, you see. Yeah, yeah. That that's pretty good. They're all loaded over it, there. I mean, it should be a free upgrade, but what it is, it does have new content. So yeah, it feels like it should be free, but I'm like, yeah, okay. You can't suffocate the baby like James wants to, but it's quite. Yeah, you can't kill a baby. This game is all so right. weird, though. I can't describe how weird Death Stranding is, but play. I, yeah, I've been wait. I have it. I have a physical copy, and I've been waiting forever to play it. Because I heard about the director's cut, so cool. Excited to check it out, James. Tell us about your rat game. My rat game. Uh, it's called Tales of Iron. Tales uh, of Iron. The, yep. And uh, the designer or director, I forget which. Um, he was a rat owner, and he bought a bunch of like rats at the start of development. Because um, we were talking over Discord when I was doing the preview, um, yeah. and he essentially bought all these rats, and he had them as pets. I think he had around six or seven. And he got this artist to draw them all up and they're in the extras page. And the game is basically like a self-insert where he's named all these rats after his and they go on this magical journey to fight frogs. Um, it's all a bit ludicrous. Um, and you've got Doug Cockle the whole way talking you through it. Like, like he's reading a novel to you, basically. Um, and the premise just boils down to you stab a shitload of frogs in the stomach for about 10 hours. Um and you make some little animal friends along the way. Like there's a mole underground you meet, you milk a giant cockroach. Um, it gets a bit weird, but it is it's, basically... It's funny? It's like it is. silly and... Okay. Yeah, it never takes itself too seriously. At the start, your dad dies, but then you're quickly into milking cockroaches and hanging out with moles in the sewers. Um, oh, slight death standing. So you, you were really in your <laughs> element with this one. I was, I was. Um, I often hang around in the sewers with moles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it goes from Hollow Knight at one point to you're in Metro doing uh, arena fights with these giant mole gladiators. Um, some of them have okay. shotguns, some of them have giant axes. Um, it gets a bit, yeah. And you're in this sort of medieval high fantasy, dark fantasy kingdom right off the bat. And it also devolves really quickly into the whole swamp section feels like Resident Evil. Um, you've got the Metro pastiche. You've got these uh, these bug matriarch and patriarchs you take out. Um, but the whole premise is essentially there's a feuding war between frogs and rats that's been going on for, well, to them it's millennia, but rats don't live that long. 
Um, so it's probably been about five years that they've had this huge feud and now they're at odds. Um, it's a lot of fun though, because um, it's essentially if you took Hollow Knight and you give you you give yourself all the good stuff you earn throughout Hollow Knight, you know, things like yeah. rolling, uh, jumping back and forth on walls, things like that. It's if you had all that at the start of the game and it actually told you where to go. So if you're like me, you don't get lost for 10 hours aimlessly wandering about like you're in Death Stranding. Is it a pretty bit... linear then? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, essentially, you you have the main quest and you follow that up until a point and then you hit a roadblock where it says, okay, we need money to repair this part of the kingdom. Go out and do some side quests. Uh, and you've got all these different quest boards dotted about and you can pick and choose what you do, but it's mm. sort of like it builds up to a point where then it forces you to do the extra content. But the extra content's really good, really up to par with the main content. So it's never... You're never doing anything that feels shoddy or filled in. Yeah. Just, just a overwhelming love for rats. Overwhelming. Game. Overwhelming. Um, <laughs> you can really tell um, there's all the little details that uh, you wouldn't expect them to pick up on. Like rats do this thing with their whiskers where they waver and they chatter with their teeth when they're happy. Uh, you'll see that a lot with them. Their hair spikes up when they're angry or on edge, and that happens throughout the game with their characters. Like, there's a lot of detail put into it for a 2D side scroller, and um, you'll notice as well everything's hand drawn and they layered each thing by hand. It wasn't done mm. where they had like, okay, we've got three layers, and we'll put them together. Every single object was hand placed, so there's a really nice parallax that goes on there. Hmm. What what so, what was the score you gave it? I gave it a nine. Um, I personally thought it was better than Hollow Knight. I think the combat's more engaging. Um, mm. But I'm in this weird camp where I didn't really get the hype on Hollow Knight. Um, but overall, I think combat-wise, there's no stamina bar, which is a big difference from Dark Souls. You can roll to your heart's content. Um, parrying is really forgiving. So it is inspired by these hard games, but it's a lot fairer. Um, you'll have enemies that swing at you, and you have like a five to ten second window on how quickly you can parry them and that gives you this giant period of stun where you can lash out five to ten seconds to parry it's very very open um i think it gets shorter the further you go on in the game by the end no but to start out with it really eases you in um and then you get so used to it by the end that you really don't need that window um so from start to finish i don't think it's I mean, I was told the others in the preview were struggling with the intro. Uh, I can see that it. I did die a lot in the second half of the game, but I think it starts off very fair, and it's not nearly, not nearly as punishing as Dark Souls. I wouldn't say. I think if you like, okay. if you like rats, you like side scrollers, you can probably pick it up, even if it's a bit difficult. Well, there's not a lot of options for rat lovers out there, you know. <laughs> no, so. there's not. You got Plague Tale, but it's a bit true. A bit on the other by end. Activision, zing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I uh, wow. couldn't think of any. Twenty twenty one's most hidden gem. I'd say so. I mean, it was my most anticipated after playing the preview, and it went from no, I escape. Thanks. <laughs> I got this sort of random email after doing Elder Souls, which was like, "Do you want to look at this game called Tales of Iron?" We talked it over, and it was too niche for a preview. Um, so it, there wasn't really an expectation of anything. I mean, I hadn't seen marketing drummed up for it or anything. And then I booted up and I heard Doug Cockle and I was like, what the hell? I thought this would be bigger. Neat. Stacey, I don't want to start discourse, but can you call a Game Pass game a hidden gem? 
Oh, is it okay? <laughs> I don't want to start a discourse, but he has a discourse question. The <laughs> Artful Escape, it's on Game Pass and it's Annapurna, yeah. so I don't know how hidden it is, but I also haven't heard really anybody talk about it other than other people who reviewed it when I did. Yes. And it's great. Just go play it. Just, just go and play it. I started. You play Hills of Iron, I'll play it. I haven't turned on my Ooh. Xbox for about a month. I'll play it, I promise. It'll be a Artful lot of fun. Escape's definitely going to be on my list at the end of the year, so when we do the little. Uh, podcast wrap-up thing. I'll, I'll defend it on yeah. then. It'll be <laughs> Artful Escape versus Tales of Iron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to talk a little bit about our Guardians of the Galaxy preview. Um, that game comes out at the end of October, but Jade and I got to play it uh, earlier this week and or last week, rather. And put out, I put out a preview, and we were, we're both doing a lot of coverage for it, so I just wanted to talk a bit about what that's like. Um, it is not the MCU canonically, uh, but just like S- Square's other Marvel game, Avengers, it pretty much is though. <laughs> like you could pretend that it is, and and you'd be fine. Jay, do you think that's fair? Yeah, like it's using all of the same characters, and it, it's going for a similar charm with all of the licensed music and the aesthetic. Like it's it's trying to distance itself, but it also knows that people will be coming to this game, expecting the guardians they know to an extent. Yeah, when the demo, the when when our little preview build started, you you start out on the ship and you can walk around as Star Lord and talk to the other characters, and they all talked about MCU stuff. Like yeah. Drax talked about how he misses his family, you know. Uh, and Gamora talks about like Thanos and her relationship with him. Like they, there is more to these characters, but this game is going after what you already know about them. Yeah, it feels like it's building on that. Like they mention a lot of the stuff that happened in the Guardians films, but there's also stuff that I assume comes from the comic books and other stuff. It's it's building mm-hmm. on top of that. It's like okay, you're familiar with the Blue Man. I can't remember his name. Thanos and Drax's family. So that's introduced you to lady hellbender and go deeper into the nova core and stuff like this like it's leveraging the mcu in a way so it can distance itself from it in the process i have to say on the nova core is there any chance we see richard Ryder in this there's a reference to well i don't want to spoil it there's a reference there's a reference to some smaller characters so i would i think that there's a good chance of that um but jade you mentioned lady hellbender uh, that's interesting to me because that character is not associated with the Guardians like at all. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they they are definitely diving into the comics. Obviously, Lady Hellbender is not in any movie ever. Nobody's heard of this character. But this is a character that like fights Spider-Man and shit. Like Oh uh, shit. Okay. So the the reason I spoke to the um over email the director a while ago and basically they um they wrote an original character and showed it to Marvel and Marvel were like this is kind of Lady Hellbender why don't why don't you just use Lady mm, Hellbender okay um, oh, so it kind of grew from that as opposed to let's find a Guardians person they had made a person that Got was it. enough like Lady Hellbender for Marvel to say just use one of our characters um, that right. already exists and you do more interesting things with it because of that the makes sense. background law. Do we know if they've changed um, Star Lord's background like they did in the MCU. How egos is dead. 
they mention his dad like being an evil dude or something in some of the dialogue of Gamora. I'd, I'm not big into the comics, but I think his dad it might be a part of the game or was part of the backstory of these Guardians. It's so far uh, we haven't played that much, but it it's like very much alternate versions of the MT MCU backstories. Like for instance, Star Lord's name comes from his favorite band. That's that's why he's Star Lord because of some '80s band called Star Lord, and that's not what what the answer is in the MCU. But it's you know it's pretty close or whatever, okay. and and they've made like a, a whole album of Star Lord, and the music in the game is canonically Star Lord's music. Man. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, so. Yeah, so if you like these characters, they have done a great job of translating them. It, they, they feel authentic to what you already know. Um, and I think that's going to be the biggest appeal of the game because there's a lot of uh, like relationship building stuff, a lot of dialogue trees, a lot of opportunities to just like spend time with the Guardians uh, in a way that probably not even the Telltale game really did because mm. that was very story-focused. So that's what I liked most about it. There were some things I did not like about it, but Jay, what what were your impressions? I think I agree with you <laughs> almost entirely. I think like a lot of the the opening twenty or thirty minutes or so is very much it feels like it's building upon the stuff Mass Effect did in in the way that you can explore the Milano as Star Lord and interact with characters, learn more about them. You can you can be almost like voyeuristic in the way that Star Lord can go into the rooms of other crewmates and just pick up their stuff and analyze it. And this will result in people coming in, calling you rude. And then just, you just have a chat. So I'll oh, forget. I was just raiding for your belongings, whatever. But once you get to Nova core, it's, it's very much like a gauntlet of combat up until the end of the build. Yeah. And if, I think the got the combat is okay. Like there's some really cool stuff to it. But as you said, in your preview, like star Lord isn't particularly effective offensively like your role in the game and i think this is to emphasize some of the rpg elements is to deal damage to people or freeze them using secondary abilities more of which i assume will be unlocked later in the game while ordering your teammates to do stuff by i think you press one of the shoulder buttons and use the d-pad you order them to execute abilities and i think the key or like what you're incentivized to do is essentially execute abilities in a certain way to stagger enemies and then you can use special moves because there's some bosses not not bosses but like stronger enemies with shields and they fire electronic mines at you which are a nightmare to deal with and unless you execute these combos correctly it could be quite easy to die or maybe i'm just bad at video games no i totally agree um i at least in this early part of the game um it's Star Lord can't hurt anyone, but also can get killed very easily. Yeah. So your role is really to play keep away with the bad guys and um, use your teammates' abilities on cooldown to deal all of the damage. Mm. And it's clear that their abilities have different utility. Like uh, Gamora's is a single target attack that's like heavy damage while Drax's is more of like a stun 
that yeah. um, st- fills their stagger meter. And then uh, Rockets is like an AOE, like throws a bomb. And they'll all get multiple abilities. So it's it's an interesting like command style combat where you have to tell your teammates to use their abilities and choose the right abilities. And I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of options. And that sounds really cool for like a Final Fantasy game. It's kind of awkward though in a like a third person action game where you're trying to fill combo meters. Yeah, because the movement also doesn't feel amazing in combat. Like maybe it's because of the I think I was on performance mode and it was 30 frames per second. But like there are some there are some, I suppose you call them combat arenas or part of the space station where a lot of enemies will pour into you at once and it can be difficult to maneuver around both them and the traps they set. Yeah. So you can you can die quite easily in that way. And also as a consequence of the environmental design, a lot of these abilities you're pulling off, which are meant to look like super duper cool if executed correctly, can often look quite clumsy and awkward. Yeah, I had a problem with the uh glide ability. I bought the upgrade that lets Quill fly around for a while. Oh, okay. And the problem I had was that you cannot change your elevation. So in that last part where you're trying to, um, the the ship is like on oh, lockdown. Oh, yeah, you have, to, you uncou- have to uncouple the things. Yeah, you got to shoot out a bunch of... Didn't like that bit. <laughs> like, it's like being held in place and you have to break all the links to free it. And the arena has like a bunch of different levels, like... Some parts of it are higher up and some parts of it are lower. But yeah. while you're flying, you can't change your elevation. So I found that I would just fly at a ledge to try to get higher and I would just fly into it and could, couldn't do you get not above grab it. it. That no. feels like an oversight that you doesn't grab onto stuff. Yeah, and I and I just and if I canceled it, it would go on cooldown and I can't just like start flying again. And then you, you know? get killed, so like yeah, so I would just end up in these really awkward places, like, flying into walls, basically trying to get over them. Um, but you know, like that, it's an early build or whatever. It's not done yet. We didn't see that much of it. Um, yeah, I'm just when I saw in that in the reveal trailer when I saw the combat, I was like, I don't know about that. And then I yeah, played so it, I and like, I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't know about I'm that. About that. <laughs> yeah, it it very much feels like. As we as we we spoke to the strengths of the characters and the writing that we've seen thus far, do you think I, I probably feel this way? Do you be do you think like the storytelling and the stuff will be enough to pull you through the awkward combat if it if it doesn't yeah. improve? Because at the moment it just seems a bit passable. A hundred percent. And until I get to a point where I'm like stuck, like if the if I get to a point in the combat where I cannot progress, that'll be one thing. But if it's just like kind of not great the whole time yeah. i'm still gonna play the game because that, that's like the combat in the witcher 3 is okay and like right. the movement in that game is okay but it's it's the quest design and the characters and the storytelling that pull you through and this, yeah. this could be a similar situation i don't think yeah. it'll be that sprawling like it might be relatively linear but we don't know that yet the level we played was very linear. corridor literally <laughs> literally going down hallways but there is a point where in a cutscene you have to make a choice and that choice you make changes the path of the levels in a bit. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So, well, we got a preview up on the site, but we, we've both written a ton about it too if you want to hear more about that. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break 
and we'll come back to talk about David Cage's Star Wars. Ya boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome back. So you've probably heard the news now that David Cage's studio, Quantic Dreams, may be working on a Star Wars game. This is just a rumor, but it seems to have some weight behind it, right? Sounds like a threat more than anything else. <laughs> it does sound like a threat. <laughs> um, we here at the game are all massive David Cage fans, obviously, like everyone else in America and across yeah. the world especially france <laughs> and uh so we're gonna take the opportunity uh we we've all brought our pitches for a david cage star wars game um and f- who would like to go first uh, i don't mind starting this off if people don't want to yeah hit us with it stacy cool so um much like I'm basing this main in Heavy Rain and uh, Detroit Become Human because I haven't played Beyond Two Souls, so that that's not really going to be a reference point at all, to be honest. Yeah, played Heavy Rain when it came out and was kind of impressed by it. Um, the more I think about it, the less impressed I probably am. And having like replayed it, doesn't really hold up as an age, shape or form. Has an aged, yeah. No, um, and Detroit Become Human. Um, look, it looks good, and Connor is vaguely interesting. Um, so that's basically that. The reason I'm saying this is a true David Cage game, in my opinion, needs to have three characters, mm-hmm. one of which is good, the other two who have no business being there at all and who ruin every <laughs> single scene you're in. So that's exactly what my game is going to be. There's one really good character and two characters that are going to ruin everything. One of them is going to be a woman and she's going to be put through the most graphic torture you can imagine for no reason. Yeah. Um, and then the end is going to get pregnant. Spoiler. But that's all. That's, that's all going to go. So obviously. All right. All right. So what's the setting? So the setting is well, it starts on three different planets, um, or so you think. Because then the big twist is it's all the same planet. Of course. Oh no! Okay. It's a It's cagey. It's like three different settings, and you're like, oh, these worlds are so disparate, and then they all meet up, and you're like, oh big party together. I hope one of you doesn't get shot. Because um, that's how these games kind of work. So there's one slum, kind of setting, you know, the kind of place where we see a lot of Ray in the first, in Ray's first um, Star Wars movie. Um, it's a merchant. This is going to be one of the bad characters. Okay. Um, so this merchant, someone comes in and brings this trinket and because it's a choice-based game, this is a really expensive trinket. Somehow it's kind of hinted at, it, it glows or it says something, or there's some voiceover from the merchant. So we, he, we know that he knows, and also we know as players, this thing's worth a lot of money. But the person selling it doesn't. So you have to choose whether or not you're going to take it, like, you know, follow them off, like, oh, he has, like, three credits, thank you very much, go. or whether to be honest and be like, this is worth a lot of money. I can't take it from you. Go and take it to oh, Billy yeah, Blankensop yeah. on <laughs> Station 9, and he will give you the, the money for it. But the thing is, you need this for the story to go on. So the person selling the trinket 
oh, should have mentioned, is a woman. Um, if you take it and like fob her off, that's fine. If you are nice, it's a David Cage game and nice things don't happen to women. So yeah. she immediately gets killed. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ceiling caves in and she's yeah. squished. Um, and then a bit like in uh, The Wizard of Oz with the feet, there's just a hand sticking out with this trinket in it. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. That sets the merchant on a journey because he's like, this trinket is the secret to something. You know how these stories go. There'll be a thing. Right. Uh, the next part, this is the good character. So the next part is basically, I really, really like John Biega. I like his character in, in Star Wars, but I hated that they went, he's a stormtrooper. Oh, he was a janitor. Rubbish. Yeah. No, this guy's a proper stormtrooper who's proper good. Not just, okay. oh, I was there for training and I didn't like it, so I left the meeting. No. Baked in, actual stormtrooper. And for whatever reason, not quite sure the details yet, for whatever reason, he kind of starts turning good. Uh-huh. As this goes on, he realizes you make choices for him, and he becomes the face of goodness inside darkness. Because there's always a bit of a theme like that, isn't there? There's always like, oh, the android that's got more humanity than the police system. Ha-ha. Absolutely. So this guy, you can't wipe out this guy's humanity. Like all the choices you make from are good. Um, you basically spend time like at first doing bad things and choosing what to do. But as it goes on, you're kind of sabotaging the other stormtroopers. You know, you can't just leave because they'll chase you or you can't get out or, or whatever. You've got to, like, figure out ways in the game to sabotage them. And then, see, it connects. Later on, when the merchant comes, if you've sabotaged them correctly, the merchant survives. But if you don't sabotage them enough, the merchant gets killed by the stormtroopers. Mm. So you have to work within the stormtroopers to make them bad. And you don't know it, but you do know it. Because you play a David Cage game, you know exactly how they work. Right. You are really working, not really for you, but to save the other two characters. You might be thinking, hang on, two characters? We mentioned <laughs> one. Don't worry, there is a third. She comes in halfway through, she's a woman, she's very pretty, and she is tortured. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> Um, she's being tortured because she she's is the one who owns this trinket. It's been stolen from her. Oh. So yes. she's, I really don't know where it is. I, I, can't, I couldn't tell you if I wanted to. And you know, they, she's like tied up and there's like close-up shots of her, of her stomach. And you've got like, you know how the placing control has got those like motion things? Uh-huh. So you have to like wiggle a control, like wiggle her hips to like bump tools under the floor. So she can use yeah. them and like get out. So it's so like you can really feel the torture. You have to make the woman shake a bum, but it's for <laughs> feminism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, it empowers her. Yeah, yeah exactly. It it's, it's a reclamation this. of the twerk. <laughs> David Cage is all down with the patriarchy. This is this is brilliant. She will die though, right? She will die. Yeah. So she yeah. is held. <laughs> Again, same place. She's actually been held by the Stormtroopers, but they're not wearing the hats. So you don't know the Stormtrooper. She's in the same bases as our, star, our good Stormtrooper. Um, and then at the end, she gets out. But you have to choose whether to sacrifice her or the other characters. But in order to not sacrifice her, you have to do the whole game perfect. Whereas to like save the men, you just have to like turn up. Right. Because at the yes. end of... Uh, 
tried, yeah, when Kara, I think her name is, is going through like the scan to make sure she's not a little android. You've got to do that bit like note perfect to the whole game for her to get through. And then you can like <laughs> send one of the carnival guys, can't you? You can like say, oh, hello. Do you remember that time I was vaguely nice to you? Will you please kill yourself for me? And he just goes, <laughs> I? I will. <laughs> can he? Yeah. But it, but it all means something. Yeah, yeah. what it means is justice will prevail. Right. This you is good. That <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think you've made a, a David Cage game that makes too much sense is the only problem. <laughs> there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of logic to it. <laughs> but, I, but I like the characters. Oh, well, I've failed then. That's not how these games work at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, perfect. All right. Let me do mine. I'm itching. I'm itching to do my pitch. Okay. All right. So first of all, we all know that David Cage hates subtext, right? It's for cowards. Uh, 100%. Yeah. So I think to make a David Cage Star Wars game, we have to imagine what Cage thinks Star Wars is really about. (laughs) like like what are the themes that i as david cage can bring to the surface and then of course pass the surface and directly into everyone's faces so so let's break it down star wars is about redemption right uh it's the the belief that like somebody can go all the way to the dark side and then come back and and do the right thing and redeem themselves even if they don't think they deserve it it's also about hope and this idea that like one person can stand up to impossible odds and through the power of belief overcome the dark side. Um, but ultimately, Star Wars is really about legacy and this passing of the baton from father to son and from master to Padawan. And like the, the cycle of this clockwork universe that we're all just a small part of, right? Are you all with me? I'm, yeah, I'm following. I agree. Again, too logical for Cage right now, but we'll see. Okay. Well, no, actually, all of that is wrong. Star <laughs> Wars is about Star Wars. It's right there in the title. I don't know how you all missed this. Okay. There is a lot of heavy rain in heavy rain, so now you said it, I'm thinking. Yeah, now you get it. Now you get yeah. it. It's a lot of Detroit in Detroit. They become human in Detroit. That's what happens in that game. <laughs> <laughs> this is David Cage's Star Wars The War of Stars. And it's a movie about the horrors of war in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Or You've right called there. it a movie as well, so you're on the right track. Is it, 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 he, <laughs> he thinks it's a movie. Yeah. Okay. All right, so in Star Wars The War of Stars, you play as two characters. Uh, one of them is a, uh, an elite sniper for the New Republic. His name's Hero Dameron. That's J-I-R-O, Hero. The other character is a Sith Lord named <laughs> Boba Bin Laden. Now, I know what you're thinking at this point. This is not subtle enough, I don't think. Is, is this just... The Iraq War? And the answer is yes, it is. Oh, the Star Wars on Terror, I see. <laughs> yes, it, it absolutely <laughs> is. And you're right, it starts with Space 9-11. <laughs> it, it's as tasteless as it sounds. 
Uh, it's it is a David Cage game. So here's what it, we got. Does it open on the space cruiser that crashes into the space twin towers? Is that how we're going? Jade, you're re- reading my David Cage mind. <laughs> so uh, we start with uh, Hero, Hero Damron, and he never met his father, but he grew up hearing the stories of the kind of hero Poe Dameron was during the Darth Sidious body snatch clusterfuck as it's come to be known. Mm. <laughs> uh, so he enlists right after space nine 11 <laughs> to be, and he becomes an elite sniper. Meanwhile, uh, Boba bin Laden, he's the mastermind of space nine 11 and he's I can't n- keep casually saying Boba. <laughs> it's his name. <laughs> uh, Boba Bin Laden is now hiding out in a desolate backwater planet. Uh, folks, you're not going to like this, but we find is out. Luke? We find out a lot about why Boba Bin Laden orchestrated the Space Nine Eleven attack, <laughs> and. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that bad of a thing to do. He had a point, you know. Maybe he had a good reason <laughs> for doing it. Once you see his perspective, right? I'm what I'm saying is maybe the the New Republic are the villains. Oh, okay. Yeah, gonna turn it around so, on us. So most of the game is pretty much just tilting the right analog stick to wave your arm and force open doors like doors that slide <laughs> no open. you do you do both at once like in the yeah you got to push both sticks opposite so that you wave your arms so that's yeah. that's almost all of the game uh <laughs> there there's some lightsaber fights they're quick time events uh but then here's the twist always a twist a, you knew there was a twist Okay, at the end you find out that Boba Bin Laden didn't do Space 9-11. Hero Dameron did Space 9-11. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. All, all the scenes, all the parts where you're playing Hero Dameron, those were not true. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> There's no... It's the reveal is that the parts of the game that you played was not actually what happened. So no, there, no. so there. Um, so Rashman kind of. How stupid are you for believing the word? Yeah, you that shit you saw was not was wrong, idiot. That's so deep. <laughs> all right. So then the last thing, it all ends with the suggestion that the power of song can end all wars. Oh, uh, the American <laughs> way. Credits. <laughs> Credits. David Cage of Star Wars: The War of Stars. Thank you. The Star Wars ends Tower. with a song and dance. There might be a song. I don't think he's ever done like a dance number. They close of like radio. Is the dancing in Heavy Rain? She like dances in the club for some reason. Yeah. I don't know exactly why. Oh, she yeah. needs to get. She needs to steal something off them so she gets naked or something. Yeah. <laughs> a bit that's weird. a quick. That, that's a quick time event. Oh no. All right. Who's next? Uh, sure. I didn't bring yeah. one. I'm just, preface... I'm just here to observe. <laughs> Jay, did you not understand the assignment? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm the <laughs> You've become the teacher, though. <laughs> Amazing. 
No, I'll preface this. I've only played Heavy Rain, and I was, I think, 13 or 12, and I hated it. Um, so that's my knowledge of David Cage going in so far. But if there's one thing he does, which is where my approach comes from, it's he riffs on better films, but changes the name. It's his whole shtick. Um, so this is Star Wars Earthquakes. You'll get it in a minute. All right. It's about Valeria and Earl Bosef. And they discover that there's a bunch of mysterious deaths on Tatooine, so they in- they hire a new scientist that's come to the town to help them. And it turns out it's a bunch of giant sandworms that are terrorizing the town of this Mos Eisley. Is, this is Tremors? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keep going. No. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> you have to fight these worms, and it turns out Valeria is a Skywalker. Oh. Yeah, she is. But not just any Skywalker. It's Anakin's dad. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we've never met him before and everyone oh, thinks it's Palpatine right. or some shit? It's not. It's Valeria. So it turns out that Valeria is married to Anakin's mother, who I can't remember the name of. It's alright. And she's the one that is controlling the worms all along. So you're playing as her throughout the entire story, trying to investigate these mysterious deaths, these giant worms. And all along, it's you that's been summoning them. Yeah. It's not It's not the only twist, Okay. Though. They're not real. <laughs> <laughs> the, the worms are not real? No, they're, no, they're not real. Okay. Wait, so who killed all, all the people? Oh, uh, Valeria did. It's oh. all in her head. <laughs> <laughs> the scientist isn't real. Earl isn't real. It's just Valeria going completely off it, fighting what she thinks are giant worms. And then we get this massive montage sequence at the end, which is intersplicing her fighting the worms with her killing innocent townspeople. She just goes on a massive bender. (laughs) (laughs) Too much blue milk. And yeah, the whole story is that essentially, um, if you think you're fighting giant sandworms, you're probably not. That's the message. Wow. I hope David Cage listens to this podcast. The beauty of this exercise is that the real David Cage Star Wars game is going to be so much dumber than anything we just said. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we just I, said the dumbest shit ever. I think yours is on the money. Like, he's he's not, he's brazen enough to do Space 911. Well, he did Android Holocaust and he made them sit on the back of the bus. Yeah, like, oh, and yeah. then said it was nothing to do with race in America. <laughs> it was literally a choice where it's like, do you want to be Martin Luther King or Malcolm X? The same death mm-hmm. toll. Nothing to do with neither eleven lately with me. <laughs> Is there not a part of that game where they all get loaded onto trains? No, they have to. The androids have to sit at the back of the bus. They can't sit with everyone else. There is a bit where they shuffled off to a ghetto. I don't think they're on trains, but there is a bit where they're put in a ghetto. Yeah, Definitely. they are like. They're getting ready to be killed. Because that, that's one of the twists. Kara finds out the little girl she's looking after is an android. That's one of the big twists. Sorry, spoilers everyone, but... Oh my god, it's so <laughs> saved you, really. That's one of the big twists. Yeah. I said that, I said that as a joke when I first played it. I'm going, like, little girl's an android. And then, like, ten hours later, I was like, oh no, they're, they're stupid enough to actually have done that. 
The worst thing about these David Cage games is my 11-year-old brother has started playing them, and every time he comes over now, every other weekend, he's telling me all about Detroit Become Human and how much I should play it. I can't. I don't have the heart to tell him I cannot be asked. Play it for a while. No. There's too many good games out there. There's a short film that David Cage did that Detroit is based on. And oh, Kara. It's, like, it's the, the yeah. being built. It's good. Yeah. If Detroit Become Human was seven minutes long, I think it could have been a good game. It's also got like a naked <laughs> woman heard? in it. You know, he was like, ooh. Or there it's... is a woman being tortured. I think we should put that up front. The movie, the short is... film is about a woman being tortured. Is it true that he tried to get into screenwriting and failed and went to gaming? Because I read that. I have no idea, but it. yes, that's true. 100%. Okay. 100 million percent. Okay. That's, that's a true thing thing that happens. Ah, uh, the Ben For Shapiro legal purposes, story. I don't know, but yes. Oh, no. Can't make it in Hollywood? Make video games. None of us bought Gina Carano in. Incredible. Uh, oh, yeah, she'll be in it. Honestly, I hate to get too real, but the fact that Disney would work with Quantic Dreams, if this is true, after all of the allegations and the lawsuit, even though he beat the lawsuit, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Well, it'll be something. All right. um, We are recording before the Nintendo Direct. The show is coming out after, but we won't be able to include it. So we'll be covering the Nintendo Direct next week, as well as upcoming reviews for who's reviewing something right now. Right. Oh, um, oh, FIFA. I'll yes. be on FIFA next week. Yes, I'm or... off next week, actually. I will not be around. Oh, we'll miss you. Okay. Come back next week for Nintendo Direct, FIFA, and more. We'll see you then.